0: And it's just so vitally important that the information available online be accurate, be reliable, and steer people in the direction of good decisions and future good health. And I think that's something that the National Spine Health Foundation, with its medical board and it's thoughtful research and it's online resources and it's direct interaction with physicians who are on the cutting edge of the spinal health care field can do better than anybody else.
1: Hi everyone, my name is Dr. Rita Roy, CEO of the National Spine Health Foundation and I'm your host for the Get Back to It podcast where we tell real stories of healing and recovery. What does it mean to get back to it? It means overcoming injury through treatments that work in order to return to the people and activities you love, whatever that looks like for you. It means getting back to your life. We're here to share the success stories of those who did just that. And some of these stories you are not going to believe. At the Get Back To It podcast, our goal is to tell stories of spinal champions who've been able to achieve a better quality of life through spinal health care. Today, we have an extra special guest on our show, Jennifer Marin, who is a spinal champion and our 2020 virtual We've Got Your Back gala chair. Jennifer is a former rower for the U.S. National Lightweight Team who was diagnosed with scoliosis a little later than typical at the age of 14. Now that you know what to expect, let's get back to it and dive right into Jennifer's story. Jennifer was a teenager who wore a back brace through attending high school and on into her freshman year of college for her scoliosis.
0: The first doctor I visited had wanted me to wear a back brace for 23 hours a day. My mom was with me at that visit and she knew that wearing a back brace for that long wasn't the adventure she wanted for her teenage daughter. We decided to get a second opinion.
1: The next doctor that Jennifer and her mom visited thought that Jennifer's scoliosis could improve with wearing a brace for just 14 hours a day, which was quite a difference from what the first doctor said.
0: I would try to get in as many of those back brace hours as I could while sleeping. The new number gave me 10 hours a day to do sports and other things that I loved brace-free.
1: In her teenage years, Jennifer found ways to adapt with her scoliosis all throughout high school. When it came time to attend college, she was ready to take on new challenges.
0: I was looking for a sport that I could choose as a walk-on. I felt I wasn't good enough for tennis, so I headed for the crew tent in the first couple of days of my freshman semester. I signed up for rowing and thought to myself, wow,
1: that sure sounds like a lot of back work. Knowing she needed to protect her back, Jennifer returned home to New York and consulted with her doctor as to whether she could take on rowing. She knew she wanted to do it, and so she asked her doctor if he would give her the go-ahead. My doctor
0: told me that he liked the idea, but wanted me to row port. In sweep rowing in college, you row one side or the other. My doctor was thinking that rowing port would help me to strengthen my weaker side that was due to my S-curve.
1: Jennifer was grateful for a doctor that encouraged her to do the things that she wanted to do while also prioritizing her health. The crew team proved to be a wonderful experience for her, providing her with exercise, the ability to get stronger, and the camaraderie that comes with being on a great team.
0: I continued to row all through college and then tried out for the U.S. national team. I made the team the very first year that the U.S. fielded a lightweight women's rowing team. We went to Montreal, I stroked our boat, and we won gold at the World Rowing Championships.
1: While Jennifer no longer rows today, She tries to stay fit however she can. She recognizes that scoliosis isn't something that will ever go away, but she will continue to live with for the rest of her life. To the surprise of her doctor, however, rowing actually helped her curvature to improve.
0: Fitness is really your great ally. Listen to your doctor and don't despair when you first get that diagnosis. I remember that feeling of despair and it's very hard, especially as a young girl. It changes a lot of things about your sense of self and your understanding of appearance. But just stick with it and know that it's a temporary phase. Whether your treatment solution is a brace or surgery, you're going to come out on the other side and be able to do great things.
1: Jennifer, it's so fun hearing you share your story today. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. and. I had sort of forgotten that, uh, that you're, you were on the first lightweight women's rowing team, U.S. National Lightweight Rowing Team, and I'd forgotten that you won gold that year. That is just awesome. Talk about being a spinal champion. Um, that is fantastic um, and so, so inspiring. Um, this year, you are chairing our 2020 virtual We've Got Your Back gala. And uh, we get to hear from you about all things, gala, which is awesome, um, but we don 't always talk about your spinal champion story um, which 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 is just awesome. Um, you clearly don 't let scoliosis stop you from living a fun and active life today. Um, it seems as though you 're someone who celebrates both the big wins, like the gold medal that 's a big one, and the small wins, like being able to stay active with your family and and uh, do all the things that you want to do. Jennifer, where do you think you get this positive attitude from?
0: I think part of my positive attitude comes from my parents who were always very supportive when I was a kid and encouraged me to pursue anything that felt like my passion at the time. And I was always super physically active. Uh, Having the scoliosis diagnosis was kind of a shock Uh, And the initial feeling was that all the things that I love to do, were going to have to abruptly stop. But instead, I think through that experience, I learned that you can work through something difficult, keep your eyes on the end goal and work hard and get to the other side and be pleased with the outcome. And I think it's easier to have a positive attitude when you are able to find a path forward during difficult times, knowing that if you work hard, uh, the results will be positive.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Sounds like you have had an amazing support group um, throughout your life with your family and with great doctors. Um, sounds like your doctor uh, was willing to to do some things differently with you. And um, I'm sure that inspired you as well, that you had a physician who um maybe stepped a little bit outside of the norm for what he treated with patients and encouraged you to continue to do the rowing. Can you can you tell us a little bit about what that was like when when your doctor said, yes, you can row crew, but stay on one side of the boat. <laughs> can you talk to us about that?
0: I thought that was really inspiring because throughout high school, I had felt a little bit limited in my ability to pursue sports. And I felt like by the time you get to college, it's a little bit now or never. And there are not a lot of sports where you can be a walk-on and not have practiced it extensively during high school. And rowing is one of those few sports. And I had a sense um, from playing tennis that I was – Better motivated if I was part of a team sport as opposed to an individual sport. And tennis was awfully individual, whereas rowing looked like the ultimate team sport. So I was elated when he said that I could do that. And I think I was always throughout the process of wearing the back brace and um, trying to straighten out my curve as I grew. I think I was always just incredibly grateful that we had found a doctor who was willing to treat my case with a back brace 14 hours a day, 10 hours out, as opposed to 23 hours a day in the brace with only one hour for taking a shower each day. I think that changed my experience as a teenager growing up from age 14 to 18 or 19, in a really impactful way. Those are those are really difficult years in terms of your sense of self and your body image and your goals. And you're growing a lot and you're changing a lot emotionally. And I think the freedom to be myself brace free for all those hours each day really helped me developmentally. And I was always aware in the back of my mind that we could have stuck with the other doctor, but that we learned, um, at least in my case, how important it is to seek out a second opinion and find a really good match between the physician and the patient to ensure the best possible outcome.
1: Yeah, Jennifer, I'm really struck by that um, action that your mother took with you um, as you were a young girl and you went to a to, you know, renowned um, doctor who told you that the treatment was gonna be 23 hours in the brace. And, um, your mom who was not a spine expert, was an expert on her 14 year old daughter said, that's just not going to work for us. That's just not going to happen. And let's find out if there's some other ways of, of treating the scoliosis. And she had the wherewithal to get a second opinion. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about that? Have you, you know, have you thought about that? Or is that, were there lessons from that, that, that you've taken into your life that, um, you know, that you you shouldn't be afraid to ask another opinion um, and how that parlayed into success for you?
0: Yeah, I think that not being afraid to ask for a second opinion is really important for your self-care. And then also once you become a parent, it really helps if you hit any particularly, uh, you know, challenging moments with your kids. And I think I drew upon that experience frequently when my kids were younger, to know if we needed to seek out a second opinion. And that's a, it's interesting. I think it might be both generational and personal, but in my mother's generation, I think it was probably especially hard to feel Mm -hmm. like you could ask a doctor if we could modify or question their advice. Today, I think, you know, within the realm of um, you know, politeness. It's a, yeah. that's an appropriate thing to do, and you're looking for a doctor to be your partner, especially mm-hmm. when it's going to be a treatment protocol like mine, where it's going to extend over a long period of years. You know, it was four years in the brace and then there was at least another two years of follow-up. So you have to work together as a team and be able to ask each other questions as you go and make modifications as necessary as you learn new data about either the technology or the patient. Um, So it was a long journey for me, it also it had some complicated parts, like um you don't just stay in the same brace for all four years; you have to get a new one made or you have to have it adjusted, and those are subtle and sometimes or they were subtle and sometimes painful adjustments, and you know I needed to know that when we were making those changes that they were for the best, and that I had the you know full confidence in my doctor, mm-hmm. so I think that experience and having my mom helped me find this other. Um, physician whose treatment was a better match for me at that age informs a lot of my um, approach to healthcare. Mm-hmm.
1: That's that's awesome. I think that um, you know one of the things at the Spine Health Foundation that we work so hard at is. Giving information uh, to people to understand what their treatment options are, and that no two patients are the same. No two scoliosis patients are the same. No two, you know, uh, um, patients with any disorder. um, You know, there are common approaches to treating uh, various disorders, but no two patients are the same. And um, every case has to be looked at individually, and individualizing your care and finding the treatment that's going to work for you is really critical. I really love what she said about um, the fact that in this day and age, we live in what's often referred to as a shared decision-making model. And doctors, um, you know, give you a a treatment approach and it's sort of patients have the responsibility um, to ask questions and to get other opinions and to figure out what they're going to do for their treatment. And so that part of the equation where patients have the duty to understand um, you know, more about their condition and more about what their treatment options are is difficult. We've got to educate ourselves so that we know really what questions to ask and, and what options we should be asking for. And that's where the National Spine Health Foundation comes in, is that we are trying so hard to Get this information out to people because spinal health care has come a long ways in the last 15 to 20 years. Tremendous amount of innovation, a tremendous amount of science, tremendous amount of data driven outcomes is informing the way that treatment is being handled in spinal health. And that uh, speed of of discovery um, needs to be made available to the public and we are sort of that, um, we are that place where you can come to get unbiased education and truthful answers um, for questions that, that you may have as a patient. 100 million Americans suffer from neck and back pain every year. It's a large number of people. Musculoskeletal disorders are the most common disorder affecting, uh, affecting Americans. And so, um, you know, we're very proud of the work that we are creating uh, to be a place, a trusted source of information. Um, Jennifer, we are so thrilled that you are chairing our gala this year. Uh, the We've Got Your Back gala, it's our it's our annual fundraiser. It's our biggest night of the year. And um, you were with us last year when we had our, our spine talk and our fun event. And then of course, COVID hit us this year. And um, you've been so positive staying with us um, throughout the planning process and pivoting in a number of ways and trying to sort out, should we do this? Should we not do this? And, um, you know, I just have loved your spirit and your positive energy and your, um, your, your wise counsel that spine health is something that needs to be uh, shared with the public and that um, we need to do this. The COVID pandemic uh, is here. People are suffering from neck and back pain. It's not getting better. It's getting worse. And we need to do our work more than ever. And so we are thrilled that you are joining forces with us, that you're, you're chairing the gala, and you're helping us spread the message. Um, can you talk with us about Uh, why you've become involved with the foundation and what inspires you to continue to chair the event for us?
0: Well, as you said, um, neck and back pain don't stop with the pandemic, and they, in fact, get worse, especially with some of the problems associated with working from home and the absence of ergonomic work environments or stress. And I also am struck on a daily basis by how many people suffer some kind of debilitating neck or back pain or know someone who is. And I can tell from talking to them that they feel frustration or that perhaps they feel a bit of fear about reaching out for help. And I right away tell them about the great work that the National Spine Health Foundation is doing and that they don't need to live with this pain and that there are solutions, both surgical and non-surgical. And I love the idea of chairing our virtual gala and encouraging people to contribute to the gala so that we can continue to support innovative research in the area of spine health and non-biased research that will provide accurate information on the internet. Because I know from myself and from talking with others that in this day and age, the first place people go is the internet to get their initial, initial information or feedback On what problem, health problem, they may be confronting. And it's just so vitally important that the information available online be accurate, be reliable, and steer people in the direction of good decisions and future good health. And I think that's something that the National Spine Health Foundation, with its medical board and its thoughtful research and its online resources and its direct interaction with physicians who are on the cutting edge of the spinal health care field can do better than anybody else. So really, it's my honor to be able to work and support the work of the National Spine Health Foundation. It's powerful to try and provide this information because in today's day and age, the first place you'll go, if you become the signature destination, Mm-hmm. You know, we know that everybody. We can easily send them to the foundation's website as a first cut, and that should begin to bring a grain of hope. And then maybe they can make better choices.
1: Your energy and your enthusiasm and your passion for what we are doing uh, inspires us, and it's a—it's like having a big gust in your sail and uh, sails us along along this journey. So, thank you, uh, Jennifer. I thank you not only for coming on the show today but for continually supporting us at the National Spine Health Foundation. You are a great example of a spinal champion giving back. And we are so, so grateful to you. Uh, We cannot wait to celebrate with you at the virtual gala. And we hope that all of our listeners will tune in um, that uh, the date is November 6th and we have a really fun program uh, lined up. So, um, So thank you again for being here with us today and I look forward to hearing more from you. At the National Spine Health Foundation, something we believe in most is providing hope for recovery through sharing stories of success and expertise. It isn't always easy to find someone to relate to, even though 100 million adults suffer from neck or low back pain each year. To hear more stories of recovery, and access educational materials about spine health, visit us at spinehealth.org. The virtual We've Got Your Back Gala will be held on Friday, November 6, 2020, wherever you are. From artistic performances to hearing from the nation's top spine surgeons, you won't want to miss it. Visit spinehealth.org and keep an eye out on social media for more information. Thank you for listening. The information and views expressed in the Get Back To It podcast are intended for informational purposes and should not be used as a substitute for professional medical advice or to replace the services of trained healthcare providers. To view the National Spine Health Foundation's full disclaimer, visit spinehealth.org.